Chapter Six of That Affair at Portstead Manor by Gladys Edson Locke. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Mr. Clavering invades the North Wing. As Colonel Darrell placed Lady Ursula upon the couch, a powerful figure loomed up in the garden doorway. A moment later, Lord Meldrum bounded into the room. He stopped short, staring at the still form on the floor. My God, is he dead? burst from his lips. Mary Grey suddenly rose and deliberately flashed the lamp full in Meldrum's face. He was flushed and breathing hard, and his eyes held utter horror and something of consternation, too. Harry Brooks, Portstead's secretary, sprang toward him. "'Lord Meldrum!' he cried. "'There has been more than murder done. The papers with which I have been assisting his lordship have been stolen.' Meldrum slowly turned his eyes from the dead earl to the small, dark, commonplace young man who had been his secretary. "'Well?' he said interrogatively and half-dazedly you know the importance of those papers lord meldrum asserted harry brooks with meaning unmistakable you know what gain it would be to the party whose interests are yours if they should get possession of them before they are ready for presentation to the house meldrum flushed tremendously and his brows drew together brooks he said sharply you forget yourself he went over to lady ursula who was recovering from her faintness the severity of his expression vanished and was succeeded by a pitying tenderness as he begged her to return to her room i cannot go and leave cecil there she shuddered why does not somebody carry him upstairs he cannot be moved until the coroner comes interposed mary grey the coroner gasped lady ursula why it is suicide nothing more you must see that it cannot be worse she emphasized piteously i am afraid we cannot see that lady ursula returned mary grey seriously the pistol with which lord portstead was killed is not here but in any case it will be necessary to summon the coroner mr clavering regarded her with indignation what she said was perfectly true but she need not be so cold-blooded about it lord meldrum attempted to draw lady ursula from the room but she shrank from him with a little moan don't touch me meldrum went slowly white i beg your pardon he muttered i want to be alone she cried catching the amazement on the others faces i am going up to my room i don't want anyone to come to me till she shuddered again till it is necessary meldrum his features working watched her as she tottered from the room then he wheeled upon harry brooks so fiercely that that little secretary recoiled if i hear any more of your beastly implications you will answer for them do you understand with that he strode from the library as though fearing to trust himself longer mr clavering had never before seen the jovial meldrum in a rage and he was startled by the slumbering fires that harry brooks had aroused he wished that he had not seen this hidden side of meldrum's nature a doctor had already been sent for and now colonel darrell advised that the coroner be immediately notified and that in the interim a search be made through the gardens mr clavering gave it as his advice that mary grey who showed a strange and it seemed to him unwomanly curiosity in the whole tragic happening should return to lady pevensey whose hysterical screams were unpleasantly audible but when the gentleman came back from a vain search through the grounds mary grey was just re-entering the library from the small book-room leading off it and separated from it only by a heavy curtain of old tapestry colonel darrell had already searched this room before going into the gardens but had discovered nothing there save old books stacked about the walls with that precision in which portstead had delighted as the room possessed but the one doorway opening from the library it could offer no clue to the disappearance of the assassin and mr clavering wondered what mary grey had been doing there 
she met his reproving eye with provoking unconcern and even followed him into the hall where candles had now been lighted mr clavering she murmured coaxingly after assuring herself that they were alone in the hall if you will promise not to look quite so cross i will show you something that i found something that should interest you mr clavering's eagerness overcame his amazement at her impertinence and he forbore to rebuke her what do you make of this she asked opening her handkerchief and disclosing some small dark particles mr clavering took down a candle from the silver sconce above him and studied them carefully why it is mud he decided at length mud that is just beginning to cake mary gray nodded i found this on the library floor mr clavering stared accusingly at the small cakes of mud the person who shot lord portstead must have had muddy boots he declared hoarsely mary gray nodded again and yet it has not rained for nearly two weeks there's a neat little problem for you mr clavering but he was deaf to the mocking challenge in her voice his old suspicions were taking shape how did meldrum fully dressed even to his hat happened to be outside the garden door at the time the shot occurred he remembered with a shock that meldrum's boots on the night before had been covered with much the same dark slimy mud as that which mary gray had gathered from the library floor were they so covered now the possibility that they were made him sick at heart and leaving mary gray abruptly he went upstairs for a solitary reflection lady pevensey in the same barbarous headgear and big motor veil that he recalled so vividly accosted him excitedly in the upper hall her eyes were wide with terror mr clavering she exclaimed with shrill impressiveness it was no human being that killed lord portstead mr clavering regarded her with anxious concern there there dear lady pevensey he said soothingly if you will only go back to bed and try to sleep you will feel more composed in the morning archibald clavering she snapped do you mean to insinuate that i am not in my right mind i tell you this house is haunted i am convinced of it mr clavering had heard that it was well to humour the mentally sick so he asked what makes you think so lady pevensey bent toward him sounds she whispered sounds in the wall his concern grew he wondered if temporary aberration were likely to prove serious i think i will call miss gray he said backing toward the stairs but lady pevensey clutched his arm i don't want mary gray she objected with venom she is worse than useless i intend to discharge her in the morning my nerves are in a frightful state if it didn't look like deserting ursula in her trouble i would leave the house this minute even if i had to walk to london mr clavering i did hear sounds in the wall footsteps just a few minutes before that awful pistol shot it was somebody walking in the hall suggested mr clavering more excited than he cared to own it was not in the hall it was in the wall reiterated lady pevensey testily and there were other sounds too there were rappings rappings repeated mr clavering startled he thought of the peculiar tapping he had heard the night before it did not come from the floor above he asked tentatively it came from the wall of my room she answered with conviction he saw that it was useless to attempt to reason her out of her delusion or persuade her to return to her room so he took her to elsie baring's the glimpse he had of elsie baring's wan face gave him rather of a shock the grim tragedy down in the library had been very hard on the women before going to his own room he glanced sympathetically toward lady ursula's closed door and was struck by its proximity to the circular stairs leading to the library it had not occurred to him before that it was almost directly opposite these stairs standing by it now he could hear the grave low-pitched voice of colonel darrell and the tense voice of harry brooks 
both of whom were keeping vigil with the dead. The shot must have sounded startlingly loud to Lady Ursula. He remembered that the single door in the library at the foot of the circular stairs had been open when Colonel Darrell forced the other door. If her door, too, had been open, she might have heard more than the shot. The thought was not a pleasant one. Mr. Clavering had never before felt such desire to escape from himself and his thoughts. His uneasiness drew him on down the corridor to the stairs leading up to the north wing. He wished he had brought a light. He would have liked to examine again the scar made on them the night before. He was about to go back for his lamp when he heard a sound that held him rooted to the spot. Somewhere in the black region stretching above, a door slammed. There was not a breath of wind to blow it. Somebody must be in the north wing. He did not stop to consider that he was unarmed. His detective zeal was too strong. On tiptoe and rapidly he mounted the stairs to what might have been an Egyptian darkness for all he could see. On the top stair he halted. He had the distinct impression that there was somebody near him. He fancied that he could hear quick breathing. Realizing that by standing there, outlined against the lighter hall below, he was but making a target of himself, if anyone cared to attack, he took a groping step forward. The next instant something crashed violently into his face. Reeling backward under the blow, he thudded over the stairs, head foremost. End of chapter 6